Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. He's got a chip in his shoulder. I've never seen a game refereed by Michael Oliver and not come away thinking, that guy is such a twat. Hi guys, Jack Greenish here. Uh, delighted to say that I've signed a new deal with Aston Villa. That morning sky gave me a look So I left while you were sleeping That's all it took And I chalked the line sat down Stop, and I cannot express this enough. Stop looking to see if there was contact with the ball. I genuinely can't get over the fact that in the first instance the VAR or the VA referee is looking at this and he's looking to see if there's contact with the ball and he doesn't seem to look for anything else. Then that's enough for him to say, Michael, go over and have a look. Once that happens, of course, the writing's usually on the wall. Um, he seemed to go over and have two looks at it, decided... Yeah, he does touch the ball. He touched the ball. Trezeguet still had possession. He was taken out of it. He touched the ball and Trezeguet was past him, about to kick the ball with his left foot. He would have missed anyway because he fucking missed everything all day. But Trezeguet still has possession in the box and he gets taken out of it. It was a clear foul. And yet again, Villa is screwed over with it. They're denied a draw at, ho- at home with Brighton, which, you know, again, is, is grim that we're clinging on to looking for a draw at home to Brighton. Um, but Liam, I, I I don't know what it is. I think I think it's lockdown, right? And there's a lot more anxiety in the world. There's a lot more boredom. I I need this way more than <laughs> I've ever needed anything. I I I need Villa to win games more than I ever thought I would need anything in my whole life, and it's ruining my life <laughs> when they're. <laughs> When they're not, I know I annoy you sometimes, but like, you know, last night and this morning, I was genuinely nervous. That's why I was annoying you because I could just sense again that this was going to fuck me over. And again, they've lost it at home to a team that they should be beating. And I'm, I'm waiting for it and I'm trembling at the, at the prospect of it. I don't know if that's what's happening in the world today, but uh, it's, it's something to do with that. Right. So what do you want me to address first? Your existential <laughs> crisis? 
fear of dread just in your normal day-to-day life or the or the penalty incident well, do you want to address address the existential crisis first if anybody else wants to, wants to help out or do you have questions with that they can get in touch with us the villa podcast at gmail.com um, we'll be all too happy to to learn that there's a community of us out there um do, do you want to go for that first uh no i think i'll leave that aside for now uh. <laughs> Well, hang on. Like just on the VAR, obviously we're going to get into that. Um, Michael Oliver should be made to do an interview after the game, like because this isn't a normal circumstance anymore. I can understand why they used to want to protect referees, but Michael Oliver has had the cool head and the benefit of replays. He's gone over and watched it. Now he's the expert, so he should be allowed to be interviewed, right? Michael, what did you see there? And then, oh right, by the way, did you not think that he actually did kick him in the shins? He seemed to ignore that. Sorry, go on. Well, like this is Michael Oliver has always been a twat. I mean, like, <laughs> he's, he's got a he's got a chip in his shoulder. Like, I've never seen a game refereed by Michael Oliver and not come away thinking that guy is such a twat. Like he's always playing the big man. I guarantee you, Michael Oliver was absolutely shit at football. He's always <laughs> just running around the pitch, you know. As if to say, oh, none of you guys are going to trick me. I know what it actually takes to get kicked over. No, you don't. It's really easy to get tripped. If you're trying to control a football, run at full speed, and have a six foot two, 14 stone man beside you, it's really easy to fall over. Michael, Ol- Michael Oliver's smarter than that, though, Connor. Yeah. Like, so what, what did you think of the of the decision? The decision was, was terrible. You're right, Trezeguet. I mean... You're you're over egging it saying Trezeguet got taken out of it. Trezeguet was definitely fouled, and he still had possession of the ball. And that like if someone nicks the ball past you, then you kick them. It's it's a foul. Like you know the ball's gone past him. But also, I just want to say to Michael Oliver, if that ball had it just flicked up and hit Soli March's hip, would he have given the penalty? Of course he would have. The yeah. ball hit the back or hit the side of his calf as he swung widely at it. He didn't kick the ball. He missed it. And he connected with Trezeguet and the ball just happened to hit him on the side of the calf. He didn't get enough for the ball. He missed the ball. I'm just so disappointed. At, like even the, the punditry as well, like all the analysis. They're stopping the replays yeah. once they see the ball hitting the back of his heel. And again, as we said, Trezeguet still has possession and he can still foul. You can still foul somebody no matter if you touch the ball or not. You get a nick. It wasn't a tackle. He almost completed a tackle. He didn't. Yeah. He failed in his tackle and then he kicked him in the shins. Yeah. And like, yeah, he skinned him. Trezeguet skinned him. Like, if that was on the wing, it was, it's definitely given. And I hate that analysis. Like, you know, if that's outside the box, it's given. He had a fucking replay. See, look at it. Trezeguet's yeah. gone past him. He's, he's, he's done him. Solly March is there ducking down with his hands in the air. He couldn't look more guilty. It's a fucking penalty. The like that's really frustrating, and Villa probably deserved a draw. Ollie Watkins would have buried it. Um, but like, I don't want to be too nice to them. I, I know Villa did really well today, so it's it's hard to to be too disappointed. You're going to have those games where they had so many chances and didn't put them away. But now that's three games at home that they've lost in a row. Leeds, Southampton, hammered by those two, beaten by Brighton at home. Come like played Leeds, Southampton, and Brighton all in succession at home and they've come away with no points. Um, if da- like, And if Danny Welbeck didn't have the worst touch in the planet, they could have been put away emphatically today as well. And it's another game that Villa have gone behind and another game that they didn't even get close to winning. Yeah, but like, 
like there's no pattern there. I mean, Leeds Leeds caught them cold with their helter skelter football. Like Leeds will do that to other teams as well. And then Southampton caught them depressed. You know, like Southampton really nailed them in the first half of that game. And then this game, Villa deserved to win. So like I'm I'm finding it hard to see this as a as an emerging pattern of Villa losing games. Like there is three completely different types of game that they lost. The only the only thing being is that against teams that they're better at, better than, and the games were at home. That's the only connection I see. Well, like th- 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 like this is the connection in the league <laughs> between sixth and sixth teams. There are six points. Villa is the reason for that because they keep beating the better teams and then losing to the other teams. <laughs> and it's, it's it's tightening up everything. So you lose a game to Brighton, and I'm not being dramatic, but suddenly Brighton are on your radar. You know, and Brighton are chasing down Villa now, and they're they're a direct rival for a league position. Well, how how direct are they? I mean, you could see tonight that Villa are a much better team than Brighton and Hove Albion. Like Villa, Villa did deserve they won that game, and they completely controlled the second half. Brighton were dangerous in the first half, but they were just you know dangerous because Villa were fucking brain dead, and we will definitely come back to that. But <laughs> um, like Villa are a much better team than Brighton. Villa will won a lot more games than Brighton. Well, let's get into the first goal. Like speaking of brain dead, because like this is a pattern. Uh, almost, uh, I don't know if it's an underestimation of these teams, but like, how do you concede a goal like that where somebody is played in over the top from a throw-in that they have? Like they have a throw-in. So how are Villa caught cold? They're played. They're played in over the top with sixty-five yards of space in front of them. Like he's about ten meters inside his own half, and he's in. He's through. He's in behind. How the fuck does that happen? Well, I'll, how do you, I'll tell you exactly how it happens. Tyrone Mings. Because both our centre halves are 65 yards from their own goal, 15 yards inside the opposition's half, on the left wing. What are they doing? <laughs> Not only that. that Tyrone Mings looks... is the wrong side of the ball. <laughs> I was just going to say that. Jumping <laughs> under the air, doing he's interpretive facing... dance. Yeah, he's like a centre forward looking at the play unfolding. He's, he's looking back really... down the pitch. Oh, it was pathetic, just jumping in the air with his legs akimbo. Like, what are you doing? And did you notice, And because obviously it's, it's happening on Villa's left side as well, where Mings is a bird brain sometimes, and, and Target is Target. And we'll, we'll definitely come back to him, but did you did you notice the, the it was pathetic, the, the gap that opened up as it's Cash and it's Mings that are, that are chasing back, and Target is chasing back, and he is just... As every second goes by, he's losing about ten meters on it. It's it's the saddest thing I've ever seen. But we'll get into him in a bit. But but that goal's so disappointing that like that's that that's still happening. Like this is the eighth game of the season. Yeah, well, I like we were worried about Mings and Konza as much as we think they can be absolutely brilliant, dominating centre halves who can control the game as well with their footballing ability. But they are they are just so prone to absolute massive errors. And that, and that will happen a few times this season. I mean, what is the point of controlling the first 10 minutes of a game looking yeah. really good if you're just susceptible to that? Like, how frustrating must that have been for Jack Grealish and Bertrand Rory whenever he came on, who were playing so well up top with Ollie Watkins, that then that, that just happens and all of a sudden you have to just play this well, you know, doubly good because you have to get two goals. It's not easy to score a goal in football. So stop letting teams get easy goals against you. You mentioned Bertrand Ferrari. I've never seen somebody go off a cliff so much uh, in my life. Like, as you say, 
he was really good um, when he came on. Like it, it was like oh, Grant like Bar- Barkley's a loss, but but Trower's doing well. He's knitting the play, played a few good balls. It was hitting really good set pieces. Again, I was annoyed. It was like a sub that you comes onto the pitch, and, and we've said this before. Bertrand Trower come on down. It's your chance now to hit some corners and free kicks. And actually, he did well, so that was fine. He was working hard. He was switched on. He had a good shot. Got the assist. And after the assist, it was like the biggest collapse of all time. He just, just couldn't do anything right. And it wasn't like he was doing anything particularly wrong. He just he just looked like he started falling asleep gradually. It was it was bizarre. Yeah, he, he, absolutely, he absolutely died. Just hit a wall, didn't he? He must have had some international break. Uh, <laughs> he, was, he was gone. I and mean, you're right, it was just like, boom, straight off the cliff. Uh, it, was a really, it was a really interesting substitution as well. I, I actually really liked it. I've got a fetish is too strong a word for uh, for wingers playing in the number 10 role. I think it just creates a completely different dynamic and the defenders don't really know what's going to happen because typically wingers don't know what's going to happen whenever they've got the ball at their feet. But, uh, you know, it obviously meant that they, they didn't bring on Hurahan and then push him again up, which meant would have meant losing their 10 and their 8. So there was less disruption to the team overall. But look, he was, he was really good. And yeah, you mentioned the set pieces. It was, it was nice for him to come on as well because... Yeah, all of a sudden we had someone who was whipping in great balls, which hasn't happened in a few games. And we've been whinging enough about that over the last few podcasts, and we got a goal from it as well. But yeah, some collapse. Some collapse so much so where I'm thinking, after such a a good, bright performance for most of the game, the collapse was so big that, that, that I'm coming around to the idea that I don't want to see him again. Ah, no, no, no. He's obviously just not fit. He didn't start the game, and then all of a sudden he's in after one minute. I mean, there was loads of things that Trory did that I really liked in the first 10 minutes. You know, nobody ever does this for Aston Villa where Grealish goes over to take a short. There was two instances. One was a short free kick and one was a short corner. And Trory ignored him for both of them. Yes. Everybody else just shows a complete deference to Grealish. They just give him the ball if he wants it, which isn't always the right thing to do. I mean, it's typically okay to give Grealish the ball in any circumstance. But, you know... It was just great to see somebody just think, oh, I can handle this. I'm a creative player as well. I don't need to just roll the ball to you so you can do what I should just be doing myself. That was that was really nice to see. But like I'd say he just wasn't fit, Conan. You think you're, you're going way overboard to be saying that you don't want to see him again. I don't want to see any of them again. I'm so <laughs> fed up. Did you not hear about my existential crisis? Like, I'm... <laughs> yeah. What about the second goal? Like, like the most annoying thing about that was that there's nobody to blame. <laughs> Maybe Douglas Louise, but oh, <laughs> nobody to blame. Did I, you see I, the oh, second goal. Like it was, it was like. Well, I don't remember what happened to start off with, but the ball got played into Lamptey. I think Target's position is fine, and then it gets cut back. Into, it wasn't really a nice cutback because there was nobody there and I think it was just a desperate sort of case of, of hoping somebody would come and it, it went so far that somebody did come but I, I don't know like I don't think Cash could be responsible like Louise could maybe sharpen up a bit but I don't think he would, would have gotten to the wall No, Louise and Cash both look at each other they have a little glance at each other saying who, do, you, do you want to close it down mate or, or would you prefer if I ran out there I know Fucking but like, close it down Sully March is inside the box on his right foot Nothing else is happening. Blocked. But they're shot. not going to get it. They're going to, like, you're closing down Sully Marsh. Do you think he's going to be able to whip it into the top corner? He plays for Brighton. He's shite. Put him <laughs> under pressure. <laughs> well, what about Grealish? Let's talk about Grealish. Um, I was getting a bit annoyed at him in the first half. 
and again I'm hold I hold in the higher standards, but yeah, I I thought the the chance for Watkins, like the one that obviously Trezeguet should have scored in twice after it, but I thought he I thought it was a bad ball inside. Watkins about four meters away from him, he drills it behind him, and yeah, Watkins can't control it. Ah, like mate. Jack really set up two sitters in the first half. You know, there's very few footballers who do that in the course of a month. Like, you know, creating chances like that are are few and far between. If he plays a, any sort of a ball to a centre forward that we hold in as high an esteem as we do Ollie Watkins, he has to expect Ollie Watkins to sort himself out and have a, get a shot away. Ollie Watkins slips in his arse and then Trezeguet misses two sitters. <laughs> Like Jack, that's not on Jack Grealish. Nothing Jack Grealish can do about that. I, I know, but like the, the Trezeguet thing doesn't happen if it's not a bad ball. I I don't think he slips on his earth. I think I think he trips because Grealish has has took him out with a sniper of a pass. <laughs> well, then you have to look at Ollie Watkins getting knocked over by a football. Then you know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I think and um, I, I calm down because like. You know, after a while, you start you start noticing that Grealish is controlling the game again, and he's been like this is the other annoying thing. Like Michael Oliver, in fairness, I don't think there were any frees that he didn't give Grealish that he deserved. Um, but like, how many times he's going to let people blatantly just come in and chop him down? You know, they're, like they're yellow card offenses. It doesn't have to be uh, persistent fouling all the time. Like you can give a yellow card for a bad challenge, and a lot of them usually are bad challenges. Like like that one. That one that was like on his Achilles, it's nearly a red card. Like you know, it's not. But he stood on his Achilles as Grealish planted his foot and tried to drive off it. Like that could seriously injure him. It was a, it was a really bad tackle. But you know, yeah, I think you have to be nearly decapitated for Michael Oliver to give somebody a yellow card. <laughs> Mike, Michael Oliver, as I said, he's got a chip on his shoulder. I'm gonna um. I'm going to get into WhatsApp winges now after this, but... Uh, hang on, hang on. The... Were we not doing WhatsApp winges there? <laughs> but I'll leave you with the greatest quote of all time that I heard on the commentary. It's going to run through here for targets. No, it's not. <laughs> and for that, that'll tee up WhatsApp winges pretty well. Mr. Bombastic. We want this bombastic room. Trezegui has lost his belly. <laughs> Full stop. That's uh, the only thing I can say to that is I'm surprised you could tell because I didn't realize Trezegui was playing. So I didn't see him on the pitch, so I don't know how you didn't see his belly. <laughs> I only have three today, believe it or not, but I think they're important and they'll probably open up a bit of a bit of a discussion. First one, and this one really annoyed me, and I have a feeling it's going to annoy you for a different reason. <laughs> Has Dean Smith never heard of Tarek Lamptey? <laughs> like, this, this is it's particularly annoying because he's fast, he's good. And Grealish and <laughs> once more for everybody in the back a bit louder. Grealish and Target are on Villa's left hand side, and not only is he fast and good, he's playing right wing back. He's not playing right back. He's playing right wing back, and there's nobody there to pick him up. 
Yeah, right. But like, you know, this is where we are in very dangerous territory of repeating ourselves ad nauseum here. Villa <laughs> don't have any other players. Who are Villa's backups for the left back position? Like, so Taylor isn't going to do anything for you. Elmo's not going to do anything. Right. Well, here's here's and, a question. And hang on, hang on, hang on. And you're not going to you're not going to take your best player out of his best position to counteract Brighton's best player. I and I know you're definitely not an advocate of that. So I'd like to hear what you think Villa should have done. Yeah, definitely not. Like I, I don't, I don't care about the Grealish stuff, but it's it, that makes Target all the more exposed. So there's, there's, there's two questions. It's, it's number one, right? And, and this is a, a big statement for me because I loathe the other guy as a player. Is Matt Target better than Neil Taylor? I don't know if he is anymore. Like Target doesn't do anything. I don't know what he's bringing that it's like we can get away with, with putting up with this nonsense. Like he's, he's not, he's not fit. He's not fast. He's not strong. He's not doing anything on the ball. He's he's like what you're saying there about people who defer to Jack Grealish. He is on steroids in that category. Like he's he's playing Jack Grealish terrible passes and actually walking backwards to, to, to come back with Louise. And he's never going on an overlap. He's a fullback who doesn't provide an overlap for the best player on the planet. <laughs> you know, well, how much more useful would that be for Grealish if he was able to? drag a player out of the way but Target doesn't even bother doing that because he's not fit enough and then the other question is and I know you thought about this doing the dishes one time but you know, can, can Elmo or, or Gilbert just come across I I would play Gilbert in that instance when you know you're coming up against Lumpty and you know that that Target's not going to bring anything enemy on the ball so we might as well just have a good fullback in there Dean Smith doesn't fancy Gilbert you know celebrating winning a goal kick didn't do anything for Dean Smith it's just <laughs> He, do, he doesn't like him. He's not even in the squad today. There's two fullbacks there, and and Freddie is in one of them. Um, yeah, like I, I I don't know what Dean Smith can do with that squad to to counteract Lamptey. I, I, I target is better than Neil Taylor. I think you've just you haven't seen Neil Taylor often enough to be to be so disappointed in him. Imagine how bad Neil Taylor is going to look in this much improved Aston Villa side. Yeah, the last time you saw Neil Taylor get a, a run of games, Aston Villa were diabolical. So imagine now, whenever he's whenever he's playing with his team, how bad he's going to look. And like the things you're complaining about, Matt Target not being fit enough, not wanting the ball, not doing overlaps. Sure, like Neil Taylor just runs around potentially breaking people's legs. That's all <laughs> he does. <laughs> like that. That's that's true because uh, we're not seeing Taylor playing. At this higher standard as well, like the, the team is a higher standard, but like they're beating Liverpool and Arsenal, and that's all uh, put on the line when you bring Neil Taylor into the team. But it it is it's exposing Target more as well because the team has gotten so much better, and he is just falling further and further behind. I, I think I'm just annoyed because it's so obvious that he's not he's not working hard. Grealish talked about this in an interview as well before. It was a it was a joke, but it was a joke of a needle about players who don't go to the gym. Matt Target was the first and only player that he mentioned. And it's obvious that he's not working hard. When you're playing with Villa, a team who, when you were looking at the next eight fixtures, like in it's Brighton and it's West Ham and it's Newcastle and Burnley, and you know they're, they're still tough fixtures because A, you're Villa, and B, you're still in the Premier League. But it was like, Jesus, actually, if Villa keep this form going, like the, the, the standard that they've shown that they can hit, 
if they keep that going through these eight games, genuinely you could be looking at a top eight finish. And Matt Target is obviously the one player in the team who is not preparing like a player who wants to get into the top eight. He's, he's preparing like a chump. Like, I actually wonder if Villa were in the championship, how little work he's doing now. Maybe we get away with it because maybe he's decent and he's better than boys like Neil Taylor. But would it stand out? Because it's it's not it's not good enough at the minute. No, it's it's definitely not good enough. There's there's no level of football where you can get away with being so unfit and so so lacking in any sort of physical attributes. I mean, you have to be absolutely amazing at football to get away with that. And I don't even think he can anymore. And my target just isn't absolutely amazing at football. Like again, like we just the amount of times where he was just drilling balls into the into the defender at the eight corner of the six yard box. He's mm. a waste of fucking space. <laughs> Second WhatsApp wins. No, actually, hang on, but like what would you do for the next game? Would you play Elmo Elmo left back? No, I'd play Matt Target. Oh, it, it can't be better. Like what like what what has he given you that, that you think you would lose if you played Elmo? <sighs> Because you've got Jack Reilly's playing as an inverted winger, you need to have you need to have somebody who can play the ball with their left foot going on the outside of him. I know Matt Target doesn't go on the outside of him, but I yeah. would work. I would work with Matt Target to try and make sure he's giving you a lot more than he is. And you know, I know I've dismissed it before about the idea that Matt Target has a culture left foot, but people say this, so maybe I've just missed it. Like you know, it can't be. It can't be so rife in the footballing community that people believe this that it's like it can't be baseless there must be something there and i don't know if it's a confidence issue maybe matt targets listening to this podcast and we're just making him worse and worse every week <laughs> i really hope he's not um second whatsapp wins every time he loses the ball he falls to the fucking ground and then watches him counter-attack <laughs> Go on. <laughs> Can you guess who it is? Uh, I suppose it has to be Matt Target. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we get back to Matt Target. It's John McGinn. It's John McGinn who continuously, and I admire it for him, and it's part of what makes it so good sometimes when he's able to break through those bodies and break through those lines. But he always falls to the ground. I don't know if he's looking for a free or is it just genuinely tripping because it's always in a tight area. But he falls and the ref's not interested and then the team break. He's, again, he's your centre midfielder and yeah. the team break and McGinn's got a terrible view from it from the turf. Well, one thing that a, a professional footballer needs to do in the first minute or two of a game is to understand the referee. You know, whenever we're playing at our level, that's certainly what we have to do. John McGinn knows who Michael Oliver is. Michael <laughs> Oliver doesn't give free kicks for somebody, you know, running up to your arse. Like you, yeah. you, ha- you have to, you have to have been side down for for Michael Oliver to give the free kick. So John McGinn has to understand that. I think John McGinn was terrible tonight. I mean, he was he was absolutely fucked. I don't know. He played all of he played a lot of Scotland's games anyway. I don't know if he played all three. He's probably celebrating. He as was well. probably celebrating as well. That's it. And it, like, he looked like it. He was leggy. He was he was a mess tonight. I was really surprised he stayed on the pitch whenever Hurahan uh, came on. Dougie did a lot of travelling, but. You know he wasn't as he wasn't as out of it as as John McGinn was, but yeah, and he was and he 
maybe he was just getting the rest. He was lying down, he was looking for soft free kicks, and he wasn't getting back up. And it was it was pathetic, and it was causing a lot of trouble because that's all the Brighton's game plan was: try to win the ball back and try to run forward as fast as possible. This annoyed me actually. This was a theme sort of going through the the whole team. This again, I know the, I know the Leeds game is an extreme example, but there's almost a surprise that there's teams here eager and they're coming up their arses and they're trying to get the ball back. Yes, wake up! You're playing the Premier League against a good team who you only have six points. You know they haven't got the points that they deserve so far. So liven the fuck up. Um, again, like we'll come on to his uh, mistakes. Uh, in some categories after this <laughs> he's definitely going to be up for a Peter Enkelman award but <laughs> like just in general yeah like you know he was sloppy he was lazy looking falling on the ground when he loses the ball again and then every time he had the ball and he was trying to complete a pass he was just dinking it it was like Alexis Sanchez at his worst for United just chipping it into the box from the middle of the pitch yeah. it was never going to come off there was a really annoying one about the 88th minute as well where he just hits it and thank god the Brighton defender went up and headered it because it was just Trezeguet just kind of jumping with his back to the ball because the pass from McGinn was so fucking pointless and shit but um, the way the way Villa seems so unprepared for teams with energy I don't know if that's just a a consequence of the way Villa tried to play the game. You know, Villa are so controlled in possession and they're trying to keep the ball and they're trying to calm the game down. They're trying to create spaces for, for Jack Grealish. You know, Villa don't play at that sort of pace. So I don't know if they're just so surprised whenever other teams do it against them. or Whenever they're doing 11 versus 11 in training, are they both just playing the Aston Villa way? Because they fucking shouldn't be. <laughs> but that, that's actually a good point, though. It is. It's on... It shouldn't be reserved for this section, but it's something good about Villa, like you know that they've obviously things being frantic does not suit Villa. Villa aren't the fastest team, even with their new signings and stuff. Like they're they're still, I'd say, one of the slower teams in the league. So it suits them to slow the play down. They've got players who can play in tight areas, and it takes a sting out of it when you've got a team penned in. They always usually win like corner counts and set piece counts. You know, it is a it is a good feature feature of them. I don't want to uh, have too much praise in WhatsApp winges, so <laughs> I get on to the third one. And this this is genuinely a genuine question. Does that cunt have cement in his boots? <laughs> like, my target looks like... He looks you, you like... Need, uh, you didn't need to clarify who that was for anybody. <laughs> It looks like a 13-year-old who, you know, is probably just about to get in a place in his under-14 team, uh, now stepping up to the under-16s. Like, you know, and at that age, it's such a big difference. Mm. The pitch looks too big for him. He, he looks like he should be playing on a smaller pitch. Like, he can't cover the ground. It's And then when the ball comes to his feet, it's usually under him. So the... This is why he always ends up going backwards because he's trying to be cool. He takes a first touch, but then the ball goes between his two legs. He stands over the top of it. Somebody presses out on him. He doesn't have control of the ball because it's between his two legs. And then he has to either toe poke a really bad pass to Grealish or just get the hell out of there. Um, everything he does just looks so slow and sluggish. I think you're you're tracking about three or four weeks behind me because I've just given up on my target. There was... <laughs> And I can hear it in your voice there as well. You you were almost feeling sorry for him. Like, the pitch looks too big for him. You know, it's not his fault. He's he's a fish out of water in there. And this is where I got to with him four weeks. I was just like, ah, oh, 
a poor guy just shouldn't be playing at this level. And now I just, it's just an irrelevance. It's just something on the pitch that's kind of annoying. It's like, you know, a fly or a mosquito that just won't go away when you're trying to have your lunch. It's just like, just, oh, just stop. Just go away, mate. Like, this is, this is, this is really, really annoying. Why are you playing for my football team? This is really, really not for you. <laughs> you were good in the underage ranks, but like, you're not, not anymore. Um, yeah, like that. That's it. It's. I I think I do feel a little sorry for him, but I don't because of last week uh, or the last game against Arsenal, where I started it off by asking, "Do we owe him an apology?" I would like to apologize to anybody who took offence to that, <laughs> <laughs> because that was a knee jerk reaction. If ever there was one, that should have been in WhatsApp winches. Yeah, like um. The only person I feel sorry for here is is Dean Smith because his his hands are tied. Matt Target is starting the next eight games. Like, do do they know? Um, so I I had this for questions we can't answer, but probably will. Let's do it now. Do they even realize that their left back is so far off the standard? Didn't know like, did, because it didn't seem like they were trying to buy a left back beforehand. Maybe they were. I don't know. <laughs> but, um, but like. I really hope that they've spotted that. I'm I'm worried that they they haven't. There's no way that professionals working in the football industry cannot tell that Matt Target shouldn't be a professional footballer. There's just no way that that has escaped people's attention. There's so many problems caused in every game for Aston Villa because Matt Target is either far too unfit or shit at football. And... (laughs) They're not. They're not always. They're not always glaring. There's a couple of instances tonight where, yeah, he's just not able to run back, and that's just oh Christ Almighty. But there's, you know, there's times when he, whenever he doesn't do an overlap, that's not always obvious to people, you know. Yeah. Because, it, because that's just something that hasn't happened, so you can't you can't necessarily pick that out. And because Jack Grealish is so good, Villa look dangerous down their left hand side. But there's no way it's escaping Dean Smith's attention. That that's because it's Jack Grealish that's over there. It, it just they, they can't have not noticed it coming. They can't. Do you know what another really annoying thing is about him is that he wants to be taken out of the game. Look out for this when he's in in their half and Villa have lost the ball. He he wants somebody to take a pass and he wants. I'm trying to think of an example. If he gives it to John McGinn inside and McGinn loses it, Target does not react like. Like Matt Cash reacts. Matt Cash mm. is thinking, shit, he's got the danger lights on. He goes into danger mode. Let's let's solve this. Let's get the, the fire extinguisher out. Target is so lazy, unfit, and cowardly that he he wants he wants to play. They they bypass him now. So he doesn't have to track back and he doesn't have to do anything else to it. Then he'll start jogging back once they're 30 meters away from him. He'll, he'll start then knowing that he's not going to get back in time. Yeah. Like, that's a really, really bad habit that he has as well. Yeah, and even in an offensive sense, you mentioned this earlier, where he gives the ball to Grealish, then starts starts backpedaling. And that's not so he can receive the ball off Grealish again, because there's no help to Grealish there. It's only so that he can get the ball from Grealish and then he just play the simple pass into a centre half. Yeah, He doesn't want to be found on the ball in tight spaces. That's absolutely not for Matt Target. And that affects people like Ollie Watkins. Then he played Ollie Watkins to stinker balls today. Watkins is, is making that that selfless run into a channel. It's not it's not a run into a channel because because Matt Target is 
35, 40 meters out on the left hand side. Mm. So Watkins is just taking people out of the way. Like remember, Brighton are playing three centre halves. So you need your centre forward making that run and he's dragging two people out of the way. And and Target plays at him with yeah. like Lewis Dunk up his hole and and, and like you know, Watkins isn't going to go anywhere with that pass. And and there's there's not even like sometimes, yeah, maybe play at him and see what happens, but he's he's not even shaping his body to pretend like he's not going to play at him, or I'll look to see if there's anything else on. It's just like, great, here's somebody else who can take the blame for when we do lose the ball. And that's the thing as well. Like, you know, at all levels, once you play a pass, sometimes you just think, oh, why did I play that? You'll you'll know if it's a good or bad pass. And once you play a bad pass, as you said, with the centre half up Ollie Watkins' arse, the right back covering in front of him, then you have to get in there and help your fucking teammate out. Get the ball back. Like Ollie Watkins can do nothing with that ball unless you give him a hand. He can't see anything. His back's to the whole pitch. There's two men blocking off all the spaces he can go to. Give him a fucking hand. Give him a dig out. That's it for the Matt Target WhatsApp winches. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get into some categories here. We're going to start with the thoughts of the Villa podcast. Maybe it was just because I really didn't want to fucking lose to Leeds United. And the lifting up of Patrick Bamford with one hand, I did enjoy that because Patrick Bamford is an unlikable character and he's probably being a bit of a twat to Tyrone Mings all game. He's nothing like that either, is he? He's a real. He's, like if you. He's an uh, unlikable character. Like one of he's put on a foot. Patrick Bamford can't skin you. It's, it's not. It's not. He's not that type of player. Is that in his game? Somebody put on a foot there. I felt all the pain. I imagine I probably sound as much of a, a biased, one-eyed idiot. Block the fucking shot. It was a fucking disaster. I did quite enjoy the hopelessness of their their grief with it. Those other still have it. Not that it fucking mattered anyway. Sure, we were beaten anyway. Not that it fucking mattered anyway. Villa was shite. Like, there's, there's nothing but space. Leeds are going to be spanked a few times this season. Make no mistake about that. I mean, they're they're really well coached. They're really aggressive. They're really adventurous. But the players are shit. The, the, the key line is that we're, we're well coached um, and very aggressive, but our players are shit. They're not either. They're not shit. I mean, that was great. That did have everything. Only downside, those Bromley accents, though, really go through you, don't they? The Peter Enkelman What the Fuck Award. I've got this sort of split up into three. The first one is Jack Grealish's back heel. Um, <laughs> we've seen this before about, or with Jack Grealish, like, you know, just this madness in the box. And it's also part of the reason why he's class and part of the reason why we love him as well. And to be honest, if the back heel didn't get cut out, there, there were two players there, it would have went to them. But what are you doing? What are you doing? Yeah, I mean, not not only was that in his own box, which is every person from the United Kingdom and Ireland's biggest nightmare. Not there! Not there! <laughs> exactly. Um, it was a packed box. Like, Brighton had a corner kick. So like, what are you doing? Like, you know... It, anything can happen from this there's so many players in that box don't fucking back heel it 
Um, so the next two are split up into two players. Um, so I think I think the the player can win it rather than the actual what the fuck moment. Yeah, we can do whatever uh, we want, Colin. It's your award. <laughs> so uh, Tyro Mings standing at centre forward, watching Konza defend. Obviously, we mentioned that, but also Tyro Mings forty yards pass back with his right foot. What the fuck was that? Like, even if that was, even if he managed to find Martinez with that. What a terrible pass to play. You're completely blinded as well. He has no idea what's happening inside that pitch. He's turned around. He's, he's at left back on the halfway line. And he's turned around with his right foot and swung it down the line, hoping that nobody cuts it out, hoping that Martinez can control it. And thankfully, it just went flying out of play for the corner. <laughs> um, like He did that rather than just knock it out for a throw or kick it forward and hope Watkins can do something. Like Just lob it into the channel. <laughs> Instead, he's like trying to hoof it back to Martinez. It was one of the worst decisions I've seen and it sort of summed up Tyrone Mings, who, to be honest, I'm starting to think, geez, I could do without seeing him play in these games because he's too casual. Tyrone Mings was absolutely dreadful tonight. That decision to play that as well wasn't that long after the goal. It's like Brighton are bricking it. You know, you know, put Brighton under pressure. Why are you playing a 60-yard ball back to your goalkeeper yeah. to slow it down? Not even back to your goalkeeper, back to the fucking advertising hoardings. <laughs> it was so bad. And there's one later on where he was he was up for a corner and then he's just jogging back, pointing over his shoulder because he knows there's players there. There's nobody there, Tyrone. It's your man. Just look over your shoulder. You're the last defender. Get back. Pointing, there's no, nobody can see you pointing, nobody can do anything about this. You're our leader at the back, and you're just abdicating responsibility for nobody who's there to take the responsibility. It was dreadful. There was loads of times in the first half as well where he looked like he'd never played 11 aside before. <laughs> yes, yes. I, I, um, I had a smile, right? But it should have, it should have set off alarm bells in my head. This was in the first 10 minutes, and I remembered you talking about. You asked the question, do you enjoy seeing Tyrone Mings pass the ball and then sprinting forward into the centre center forward position? And the answer was no, obviously. And there was just a stage where he was like jostling with somebody in midfield. Like, you know, as Brighton had turned the ball over and they're coming back down the pitch, and he was he was about the sixth furthest player forward for Villa. <laughs> it's like, and I was like laughing because obviously the size of him coming through the middle. And it's like, how did that happen? Like, how does this happen where he's like, like, you know, I, I better get back here. Like, sort of jogging back, like like McGinn or Barkley would be jogging back. And, and that should, I, I was, I found it funny at the time because Villa were playing so well. But then, obviously, in the, by the 12th minute, it's it's bad news. Yeah. Uh, like, he was all over it. Like, he didn't even know. It was Villa Park as well. This is the other thing. He's played there 50 times. He didn't seem like he knew the dimensions of the pitch. He was like, he, he was just running around, pointing, didn't know where his teammates were, didn't know where he should be. Didn't seem to realise that Brighton had 11 players on the pitch and they could just close him down at any minute or they might be making runs in behind him. So I actually I actually think that was Tyrone Mings' worst performance and he got away with a lot tonight. Obviously, he cocked up for the goal. But, you know, people might think, oh, well, Welbeck's run in from 65 yards, so they mightn't directly blame Tyrone Mings from that. Yeah. But he was absolutely diabolical tonight and he got away with a lot. It was definitely his worst performance and... He, there was a couple of times I think Kanza saved him for one of them like just, just came in behind like a, there was like three times where he just didn't control the ball like he was trying he was trying to come out in front good positioning good defending and he doesn't control the ball and he goes in behind him it's like it's like that's a 
a major cock up like if Engels does that you're like for God's sake like control mm-hmm. the ball um, Welbeck would have been away for a second time as well like it, Mings cut in front of him in Brighton's half thankfully the ref pulled it back for a foul on Grealish um, but but Mings didn't control and Welbeck was gone yeah and, like it was just like that just summed up his whole performance like just that lethargy that he brought to it yeah I think I think this sums up Tyrone Mings's whole career as well though you know he's so laid back that he might as well have a pina colada in his hands and he, <laughs> it's almost like he always wants to to be perceived as a player who's you know looking up who's trying to think about the next thing but He's thinking about the next thing before he's thought about the first thing. You know, he's, yeah. he's, he's not even controlling the ball. And then it's like, well, you can't play the fucking pass now, Tyrone, because you don't have the ball. Danny Welbeck has it and he's bearing down on goal. Used to have a manager who used to say, don't turn without the football. And it sounds so simple and it was annoying at the time, but it was true. It's just like you get the ball under control before you decide what you're doing next. And like better players can obviously do that quicker, but you should not cut out that process. Get the ball under control and then move. Exactly. Um, and he definitely, ah, oh, it's 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 hardwiring. It's it's concerning. He needs to he needs to get his finger out. L- lastly, uh, John McGinn, his pass for target on his right foot, just again, just laid back. He's done this too mm. many times this season already. Just tried to play it out to the left, and Lamptey just just cut it out and ran straight through. My target wasn't going to recover in time, and um, John McGinn again with Lamptey trying to arse him out of the way. And I think, I think Mings, to his credit, like saves him in that in that instance. And McGinn got back, and my target wasn't going to get back. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, there's a theme there as well. He's just never, never gets in the picture, like you know. Uh, but McGinn just tries to like do that like arse thing. But Lamptey's so nimble, he just runs around him and gets the ball to the other side and, yeah. and runs through. Um, again, just bad decision making from McGinn more than anything. Well, this is, you said, has Dean Smith never seen Lamptey play before as well? You know, the, the players have to know what Lamptey's like. You know, it, it, there's certain players you don't take risks against. Yeah. You don't take risks against Sadio Mane. If you're the right back and you can't see Sadio Mane and you're just walking out with a ball, he's going to take the ball off you. Because if, if you're not switched on and realise who this player is you're marking, he's going to take the ball off you. And it's the same with Lamptey. You can't just fucking fart around with him. He's just a ball of energy. He can't use your arse against him as you said he just runs around your arse no matter how big it is there's certain players you don't do certain things against and John McGinn has to know that unless he was hungover I don't know <laughs> so who you got McGinn, Mings or Grealish? Grealish alright sort of disappointed I don't know why but then I remembered what he did <laughs> <laughs> I remembered it's the Peter Enkelman what the fuck award and that was the biggest what the fuck moment uh, Ronnie Rossenthal uh, biggest sitter award Per Trezeguet, <laughs> I'm so disappointed, right? Um, I was going to, like, he's not going up in the Lyman meter, and he would have because I think this was Trezeguet's best ever performance for Aston Villa in what was his 50th appearance for Aston Villa. I thought he was brilliant, and he he should have scored the first one that was blocked, and then he, oh, he, he does the right thing by trying to lift it then into the, it's not even the top corner, it's just a big area in, the top, like, the top... 25% like the, mm. on, on the left hand side and um, and he just hits it wide and over like that was awful like he should have scored it and then there's two for Trezeguet here the one that bounces up for him 16 yards out I could see Harahan just so disappointed that it wasn't him mm. and Trezeguet just balloons it over the bar just never no composure no conviction and 
very disappointed for him because I thought he was excellent tonight. I thought it was his best game. There was a moment where I was like, I'm going to start the podcast off by saying Mahmoud Trezeguet is in the, mat- the Matrix. <laughs> you know, there's, there's nothing he can't do. The laws of physics that we once knew no longer cease to, they cease to exist in this Matrix that he's created. He was doing everything right, especially in the first half. And then he was a sacrificial lamb where they asked him to go over to the left-hand side and keep an eye on Lamptey and also try to, to get free, which he still did, but he just kept missing over and over. And I just don't think... I don't think he can teach that composure. Like, we know that he's, he, he can have good technique. He's a back post warrior. Like, you know, he catches the ball well, but when you need composure in, in split seconds, I don't think he's ever going to have it. No. Like, Trezeguet, you said it was his best. Like, he was very close to having his best ever game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, he, they were so, they had so many chances. And you can only, you can only praise a player for getting those chances. Um, but, you know, if you miss so many of them, and this is, the, we know this with Trezeguet. Like, we, we, say, we say this all the time. Trezeguet just doesn't have it. He's just not there. Like, he's so close to being a brilliant footballer, but he will never get there. He, you know, it, that's not going to improve. His decision-making's not going to improve. His composure isn't going to improve. You know, it, that's, that's never going to be a part of his game. Trezeguet, if, if Trezeguet could have scored a hat-trick tonight, and, you know, then the next game he'll just do this again. You know, the, the, sometimes they'll just fly into the top corner for him and sometimes they won't. It, it, it's, he was so close. And, yeah, I feel really sorry for him as well because he was nearly brilliant tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Story of his career. Yeah. Um, Ollie Watkins, I have two for him. One of them is a bit harsh, but it's, it's the Grealish pass from the other side, not the one that you were wrong about. <laughs> the, the one that Greedish plays to him and it's a great tackle but like uh, just sharpen up get, get there like you know Greedish has played it to you Greedish could shoot himself but he's played it to the striker get there first and put it away and the other one is the miss like no not even a miss Mings has a chance a terrible miss from Mings as well good free kick from Greedish uh, Mings miss hits it and it's bouncing across the line the keeper I don't know what he's done he's made some sort of error but he's, his feet's all wrong and and Watkins can just chase it in, mm. and, and and he doesn't. I don't know what he's thinking there. I, I don't know if he's afraid. I don't think he's afraid. I don't think he's that type of player. Or does he think he's offside? He's not. Um, and he just he just watches. He lets it go like he deliberately lets it go instead. And it's like get in and score. Like oh, yeah. And like the one he the the one he missed from Grealish's pass. That you are definitely are being harsh there. That's just an absolutely incredible piece of last ditch defending. Yeah. Um, the one with a goalkeeper that just brings me on to something Matt Ryan is the biggest fraud in the Premier League <laughs> that lad is an absolute chancer talk about a camera goalkeeper that that lad will dive at a ball that's trickling into his feet he's a <laughs> chancer he's a joker I do not know how Graham Potter puts up with him there's so many needless corners given away whenever Matt Ryan's your goalkeeper Yeah, and even that one from Bertrand Trory as well it was going wide and yeah. he dives in and then hits it with his wrist back into the box. What the fuck was that? Jack Grealish's shot. Grealish Walk shot. over and catch that. <laughs> what are you diving across? And even the way he moves his hands afterwards. Yeah. You know, pushes them in a big arc as if he's doing the breaststroke. What are you doing? It's pathetic. And that one, yeah, that one that Watkins should have closed down. Again, understand your opposition. Matt Ryan is a clown. Go in and close that down. If if Ollie Watkins even steps forward there, 
Matt Ryan might just slip in the own sh- his own shit that falls out of his uh, shorts. <laughs> like he's, he's, he's a shit goalkeeper. Put him under pressure. Don't let him jump into the air and for some reason clear a ball with his foot whenever he can. He seems to have forgotten he can use his hands. <laughs> Yeah, that was so strange. Yeah, that was a, that's a keeper whose uh, his brain just you know isn't cool enough to be a goalkeeper at this level. But like, I think Watkins would get there before him if he actually went over. Like, not even about closing it down. He, I think he could have just he's he could have seen that into the net and he he chose not to. Yeah, his his body shape was really weird. It is almost like he pulls up, you know, like a horse coming up to a fence that he thinks yeah. is too big or something. It was it was really strange. Yeah. So who you got, Trezeguet or Watkins? Ah, uh, Trezeguet. The first, like, I think both of them are terrible. I think the second one is just, like, it's, it doesn't look as bad because it hasn't presented itself for a second time and it's not six yards out. But, but it's, like, anybody else is putting that away. It bounces up for him six, 16 yards out yeah. in the middle of the goals. You've got to run on it. He gets, he gets too close to it. He hits it too early and he just skies it probably out of the stadium. No, uh, like the, the first one, like there's two sitters. He's he's on the edge of the six yard box for both of them. The first one, like he's got so much time to take the Brighton are running back. They're just desperately getting back. He has to have any sort of connection there and it'll go in. And then he's just presented with an absolute sitter and he just hooks it wide with his left foot. That that was just unforgivable because it was such good play as well from Villa. And maybe I think it was unforgivable because I hadn't seen how well Trezeguet was nearly going to play tonight before that. And I was just like, oh, why the fuck is that going to Trezeguet? Because Ollie Watkins and Grealish had just done so well out knowing. Uh, it, it was, that has to be the first one gone. And it's two sitters in the space of two seconds. <laughs> it's Trezeguet. <laughs> uh, the Vimin meter. I've got four people going down. Uh, Mings, McGinn, we, we mentioned both of those. Do you have any... Objections to those? Absolutely not. Bertrand Terori. Interesting. Just because of how, like you know, maybe we can take his game in in two parts, but like how much he, he fell off that cliff, like just just faded completely and didn't give us anything. Like so much. Like uh, the commentator was annoying me at a stage. He was talking about him not having an impact. Where I was like, what are you talking? He he so obviously had an impact, and then. After a while, I was just getting annoyed at the sight of him. Like I said, I don't want to see him again. I don't know, maybe this is knee-jerk, but I have him going down. Um, no, like, you have to remember, and you know this better than anybody, professional footballers are so fit that if you're not at that level, you'll, you, it's so easy just to drop down, drop down just a slight level, and then you'll be found out by the other 11 professional footballers on the pitch. You know, Burton Trory obviously wasn't fit enough for tonight's game. There's a, that's yeah. probably why he didn't start. I, I I think Smith would have started him over Trezeguet for this game at home to Brighton. Um, no matter how well Trezeguet was playing leading up to the and during the game, Trezeguet, this was the game for Trory to start. Put them under pressure. Put your more attacking team out. The, the most yeah. annoying thing about Trory tonight was his no like the absolute refusal. No matter what sort of thing opened up on the pitch to use his right foot. Yeah, it was it was just pathetic, just cutting in on his left foot non-stop. And once once you do that, not only does it get rid of the opportunity that could have been created by just going onto your right foot because you've slowed the game down, defenders then just know I just have to mark this lad on one side. Yep. I don't know how you get to the age of twenty three, being a professional footballer, playing on the wing, playing on the right wing as well, and not have developed your right foot in any yeah. sort of a way. 
Because like that, if you, if you can do that, it'll make your your desire to cut in on your left foot a hell of a lot easier because defenders won't know where you're going to go. I don't understand how a person like that yeah, is played on the right because it's so easily defended and so easily recovered. If he gets past you, it's okay. You know he has to come back. Yeah. <laughs> you know what he wants to do and like whereas on the left hand side if he gets past you you're fucked he's, he's got it on his left he can he can swing a good ball in um yeah, yeah. And, and maybe that was a part of the reason why his performance collapsed as well because he, he left the middle of the pitch and he was put it onto the right wing and somebody like that cannot play against the back five because he's essentially got two men there he cuts if he cuts inside the wing back which he shouldn't yeah. have been able to do because they know what they're going to do the left centre half is just there, ready to put the ball away or calmly walk away with the ball. It's yeah, it's, that, that that is so frustrating and would make me think that Rory cannot play on the right wing. I realised I I don't have my target here, but I don't even know if he can be included in this vitamin meter anymore. Um, I don't think I'm ever going to be at a stage where I can never hate my target. <laughs> um, Connor Hurrahan, I have him going down because. This was this is his first game, I think, since the Fulham match. He'd been hard done by. We mentioned him last week. This is his chance. Like no, I know he's not getting a lot of time. But his set pieces weren't on it. Like we have um cried about him not playing on this podcast too many times. And it's because of his left foot. And he didn't I don't know if he delivered one good one maybe, but I don't think anybody got a header on it. Um yeah, just like that like, he needs to be better when he comes into the match, I think. Yeah, I mean, and if anything, this is if if Conor Hurahan's not going to turn up on a game like tonight, then you'd be really worried about him. This is exactly what Conor Hurahan wants—a team penned in. Yeah, when you want somebody with a a left foot who's clever enough on the ball who can deliver great set pieces, if Conor Hurahan's not performing tonight, then he he's absolutely collapsing down the five meter. Yeah, that that's what I'm thinking. Like suddenly, it's like. I can see why it was harsh. Like it looked like Harahan might have been coming on for Barkley, and then you could see Shakespeare and Terry, and they're all they're all around, like sort of having a very heated discussion. And it was like, no, nah, no, nah, let's get let's get Ferrari on. And I, again, I felt sorry, like Jesus, like they really don't fancy Harahan. Then he gets his chance, and it doesn't do anything bad. But like, you've come on, you're two one down, as you say, the team is closed in. They're they're no longer trying to trying to score another goal. And he just didn't have that impact on the match. Like, he didn't get into those positions. He didn't take the ball and make something happen. Just tried to put a few balls into the box and none of them were none of them were Conor Hurrahan passes. Like, there, there was no clear... Like, Bertrand Ferrari's set pieces were way better than his tonight. And that's that's very disappointing. I mean, that was his chance. I don't know if he's going to get many more. Well, uh, like, like, like I ominously predicted last, last week, there... There's injuries coming for Aston Villa, and they came after a minute and a half tonight, or this afternoon. And so I think Conor Horan is going to get more chances, but he's going to have to play a lot better than that. Yeah, I've got two people going up, and this is becoming a recurring theme as well. Um, I, I dread to think how much worse off Villa would be without Martinez. Mm. Um, he just just sits there quietly do, doing the right thing all the time. Just such a safe pair of hands. Great save on Welbeck. Like good decision to come out so far so early. Um, yeah, he just doesn't put a foot wrong. He's just a common influence, and you know, there's so many occasions where I'm thinking, God Almighty, this like we could be in the bottom three if he wasn't there. <laughs> 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 
classic Conan. Uh, <laughs> no, that, yeah, that one where he just decided Ezra and Mings are, or Ezra and Mings are so bad tonight, I'm going to play as a sweeper. And just came out and slide and tackle 15 yards or three yards outside his own box. Uh, the one when Welbeck's bearing down in goal, though, and, and this is this is a recurring theme of tonight, know your opposition. I really, Welbeck takes the goal well, but I really want to see Martinez standing up there. Whenever it's Danny Welbeck bearing down in goal, what you want to happen there is for Danny Welbeck to have to think about what he's doing. Mm. You have to you have to make, make him doubt his own technical, undoubted technical ability and just stand there. Let Danny Welbeck try to beat you. Don't dive down and give him the opportunity to dink it over the top of you. I think you, I think you have to stand up there. But other than that, he was he was very good tonight. No, that, that's a good point. And like, is Welbeck coming in from a bit of an angle yeah. as well? So you know, it has to be a nice finish uh, across to the far post, which is like you know, he should be finishing that anyway. But um, yeah, he, he might have um, it, it just looked too easy then when Martinez goes down yeah. and assumes that Welbeck has that in his locker, which he doesn't always because he doesn't. Yeah, he's he's not as as cool as he should be for somebody who's played his whole life as a striker. Uh, one more player going up. Isn't it mad to think that England's second best player is Matt Cash and he's not going to be going to the Euros? <laughs> uh, Matt Cash is so far down the list of right backs that England have that it's it's it actually it's insane. Uh, <laughs> it he's so good at football. He's he's really good. He was brilliant again tonight. Um, he gave a bit of the attacking impetus that you've been whinging for over the last couple of games. Uh, That's why I left that category out tonight. <laughs> did Matt Cash get forward? Uh, he certainly did tonight and he was he was pretty effective as well when he did it. And again, just his, his ability to recover and, and to defend with common sense and just being switched on as well. I I think I think he should have gone out to the ball a lot quicker for the Sully March. He should, I don't know why him and Dougie are looking at each other for that goal. Mm. Um, and both of them should just run towards the ball. There's, like, there's nothing else happening. There's only about three players forward for Brighton. Get, get out to that ball and block it. Because Solly March is that type of player as well. He shoots every time he gets the ball. Uh, he's not he's not playing a clever pass back to the edge of the box there. He can both vacate your spaces and close them down. But uh, no, nah, he was very good tonight apart from that. Isn't, isn't it mad? Like, um, Look, England have loads of right-back options, so this is never going to be a scandal that <laughs> Matt Cash is, is getting overlooked. But... You could actually, you could put him in, right, in that game against Iceland. And, like, everybody would be really impressed with him. You know, you wouldn't, like, again, it's not going to be a, a big thing that they, they call up Trent and Reese James and, and Trippier. <laughs> you know, Walker. They're, all, they're all good players and Kyle Walker. Um, but if you played him in the England team, I guarantee that everybody would be like, Jesus, this guy's a baller. Because he is. He's, he's, he's tough. He's, he's up for it. He smells danger. And yeah, like it turns out, he can get forward and get forward really well. Um, I'm impressed with him. That's that's why he's going up. And like, he's just one of those players now that I'm starting to just grow so fond of because there was a few games there where he's being targeted and he's just stood up to it. Like he was under a lot of pressure and he he dealt with it. So now I'm just like, yeah, he's just one of those guys. He's, he's a Vyman. I'm just like, yeah, brilliant. And he's obviously he's obviously really good. <laughs> um, questions we can't answer, but probably will. Where has Douglas Louise's right foot gone to? Did he did he sell it for a a, a, a brain? <laughs> uh, yeah, Dougie had a strange game tonight, didn't he? 
his right foot has gone missing to such an extent that whenever he's lining up a shot, now I'm just screaming at the laptop. No, 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 no. Yeah. I just don't want him shooting anymore. I, it was like those two goals he scored at the start of his career are just such a distant memory. I don't know. I, yeah, maybe that's what it was. He's traded it off. Maybe he's got it in his own head too much that he has to do the smart thing all the time. And to be honest, shooting from 25 yards is very rarely the right thing to do. Uh, so maybe that's what it is. It's just in his own head a lot. And it's like, you know, do the right thing, do the right thing. It's like he never, for somebody as well, who's, who's so good in the ball. And I, I talked about him, like, you know, his first touch is always with his studs, you know, so he's always mm. getting under himself and doing whatever he wants of it. Every time he comes to that position where he's 25 yards out, and I, I, I still have those fond memories. And I, I remember, like, you know, there was just a few shots that he had last year as well where, you know, I think he scored three goals last year. There were three screamers, and they were all against the relegated teams. Um, but he, he had uh, a few shots. One of them clipped the bar. Keeper made, like, one of those classic sort of picture saves, but needed mm-hmm. to be right up at the top corner. And, you know, it, it shows that he could pick that out time and time again. And now he's just not... Like, when I still want him to do that, he's, he's not getting his feet right. He's not getting the ball out into a right enough position because I don't think his first instinct is thinking, I'm going to have a crack here. His first instinct is, I'm the anchor. And I'm going to keep things going. And he's obviously still playing some lovely balls side to side and then behind. Yeah. But, um, I think I think there's a, there's another problem with that as well. I think he's actually he does think about taking on the shot, but then he doesn't, and then he's playing the ball, so he's not doing anything right. You know, he's playing the pass out to the winger too late. Then, or yeah. The team have had a, a split second to recover their position. The fullback's not on his heels anymore. Like he has to either play the ball first time or have the shot, and he's he's not doing either. And it's so it's nobody wins. Uh, I had three questions for this. We talked about Matt Target being off the standard, and I really hope that they'll just go and buy a left back. Like that, that's you've got Wesley coming back. I don't know what standard he's going to be at or whatever, but like you, you have striker coverage. It would be good to have another attacker. Um, but the 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 only thing they really need right now is a left back. I was loving to go and sort that out. But um, the last the last question we can't answer. I had written down, and it's funny because just before I hit record here. You said to me the exact same thing. <laughs> it's, what is the fucking point? <laughs> oh, Christ, yeah. Yeah, what is the point of life, Conan? Just to yeah, take you back to the, the, the show. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just like, what, what's the point? What's the fucking point of this shit? You need to, you need to, you need to get yourself get yourself an order here you know we, we, we can't just come on here and just turn into you know us trying to talk you off the off the cliff <laughs> we'll, we'll leave people running off the cliff to, to Bertrand Trory but you know we need you every week for this podcast Conan keep it together know. mate keep the chin up <laughs> I don't know if we can it's wearing me down um, we've had three defeats we still we still got a game in hand to, to do to get into the, the Champions League positions Aston Villa are going to be okay like we deserve to win the game tonight. There's just there's no uh, question about that. It's it's started. It's started. Like they they had a, a chance tonight to go top, a chance today to go top, and by not winning, they cemented their sixth place position beneath Southampton. It started like this. This fall has begun. As surely as my as surely as my fall has begun, so so too is Aston Villa's. As surely as Matt Target will not get back in time to make a recovery. Uh, no, the Villa are going to be absolutely fine. As I said, there's no pattern to the games they've lost. Tonight was really frustrating. 
the, the, particularly frustrating because Brighton are shit in comparison to Aston Villa, so you have to win those games. But teams lose those games. This just happens during the course of the season. I don't think there's no need for any sort of dread to be setting in. You don't have to start worrying about Villa games two two days out before you know before kickoff. You can you can relax into the season knowing that Villa might turn it on and might not. There's no there's no I have to watch Aston Villa lose again. You know I don't have to. I don't. I don't want to have to be worried about my WhatsApp just going off for ninety minutes straight, <laughs> with your whinges just flying through. Uh like you're making some good points, right? But I, I don't feel it. Like I, I don't. I genuinely feel. Like if you, if you go back and look at the Welbeck, uh, when he, when he's running through on goal, and you see my target fading in the background, just hopelessly, just looking desperate and looking done. That's how I feel. And on that note, we'll sign off. Keep safe, everybody. <laughs> Keep the head up. Got another game we should be winning next, and we probably fucking won't. See you later. That wind is calling my name And I won't wait Or I'll never get on Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.